When I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child, and by my estimation as a child, the very best Disney movie, and I think it might still be the very best Disney movie, is The Lion King. The Lion King. I love, love, love The Lion King. I can remember seeing it in the theaters. I remember as a, as a child, afterwards, my mother saying to me, do you know who wrote the music? And I said, no. And she said, Elton John. And I said, Mom, who's Elton John? I love The Lion King. I love the animation. I love the music. I love the jokes. Zazu is the bird in, in The Lion King, and the voice is the, the uh, Rowan Atkinson, the actor who's Mr. Bean. Uh, it's, it's like one of those things that you don't know when you're a kid, but when you're an adult, it just makes it a thousand times better. So I, I love The Lion King, uh, but the thing that I love most about The Lion King is the story, of course. Uh, the story, you know, it's this it's a story of a kingdom and a king who is betrayed by his brother and then his son feels responsible and, and runs away. That's the, sorry if I'm spoiling the Lion King for any of you out there who have not seen this movie. Um, and Simba, the son, uh, is so ashamed, uh, uh, feeling guilt for the death of his father, that he runs away. That's where he meets Timon and Pumbaa and he learns about Hakuna Matata and all that good stuff. But the, re the crux of the movie the, the hinge upon which the whole movie works is this scene that happens with Simba and Rafiki, the monkey. Uh, Simba is distraught, again, about what has happened. He's, he's sort of uh, in a dark night of the soul, as what we might call in the church. And Deborah, I think you're up there. Whoever, can we go to the next slide? There's, there's this moment where he encounters Rafiki, and uh, Rafiki says, I know your father. And he says, no, you don't, because my father's dead. And he says, come with me. I will show him to you. And Rafiki runs through this, this jungle, and Simba chases after him, and he brings him to a pool of water. And he says, look in the water, and you will see your father. And so Simba looks in the water, and he, he sort of brushes Rafiki aside, and he says, that's just a reflection of myself. And Rafiki says, your father lives in you. And then the very next scene, Deborah, if we can go to the next slide, is this just all-time great moment where Mufasa, his father, speaks to him from this, this cloud. And again, as a kid watching it, it was just, I remember being in the theater in just this amazing moment. And afterward, again, my mother said to me, do you know the voice of Mufasa is also the voice of Darth Vader? <laughs> it's James Earl Jones. I mean, there's no one better to be the king than, than James Earl Jones. And, and he, he speaks to his son, Simba. And he says, you have to go back to the kingdom. You have to set things right. And then the whole movie, it's all about these words. Remember who you are. That's the whole movie right there. Simba has forgotten who he is. His father speaks to him from beyond the grave. And he says, the only thing you have to do is remember who you are. As a child, I just thought, this is the best thing that's ever happened. What an incredible original movie, uh, original story. No one's ever told a story like this ever before until I got to high school. And I started reading from this guy named Billy Shakespeare. You ever heard of William Shakespeare before? Do you know that this is not an original story? They stole it from Hamlet. It's just the story of Hamlet. I can remember in high school reading Hamlet and thinking, did Shakespeare steal this from The Lion King? Because there's a scene, it's in Act 1, Scene 5, where Hamlet encounters the ghost of his father. And his father says, remember me. 
And by remembering me, you will remember who you are. Wow. I, everything about my life has changed. I thought Lion, it was the, all about the Lion King, but maybe this, this Billy Shakespeare is up to something. Until I got to seminary, I started reading a story, a story about the prodigal. You ever heard this story before? The prodigal, he takes his father's wealth, he squanders it, he runs off, he, he wastes all of it, and then there's this moment. He's at the very, very bottom of his life, and Scripture says he came to himself. Others, other translations say he remembered who he was. Shakespeare stole it from the Bible. The Lion King stole it from Shakespeare, and I stole all of it for today. <laughs> Before we read the scripture, just one notable thing, though, about The Lion King. It, it might be the most Christian movie that Disney's ever made. If only because Rafiki tells Simba, if you want to know who you are, you need to look in the water. Our scripture today is Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice that sounded like James Earl Jones said... This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Tell us what you remember about your baptism. Tell us what you remember about your baptism. That is how the instructor began our class in spiritual formation my very first semester in seminary. We were in the basement, a dimly lit basement room at Duke Divinity School, all of us new seminarians, and the question was, tell us what you remember about your baptism. I remember, the first person said, being afraid. He told us a story about how uh, the fears of Y2K were on the horizon. Do you remember these 23 years ago? The, the fear that the world was going to end right as the clock struck midnight in the year 2000. He was a young boy, and he said he remembered that on the final Sunday of the calendar year 1999, he went forward at the end of a worship service because he was so afraid that if the world did end with the year 2000, he wanted to make sure that he would be in heaven rather than in hell. I remember, another classmate began, feeling pressured by my friends. She described this teeny bopper sort of conviction of her closest friends who said, you know, you just have to be baptized. She'd never even been to church once in her life. And so she told her friends, I guess I should. And one Sunday morning, a minivan with the children's mother came over and picked this girl up, took her to church. They baptized her. And when she came home with her hair all wet, her mother said to her, what have you been up to? What happened to you? And she said, Jesus. Another person said, I remember the storm. 
She described her reluctance to attend church uh, the decades in her life. She was well into middle age, and all of her friends said, you need to come to church, you need to come to church, you need to come to church, and she never went until uh, a few things in her life fell apart, and she wanted to encounter the mystery, so she went to church. And the more she went to church, the more she fell in love with it, the more she wanted to pray, the more she wanted to read the scriptures. She just wanted more and more until she felt like she needed to be baptized. So she said to the pastor of the church, I'd like to be baptized next Sunday. And the following Sunday came, and it was sunny out, everything was fine. But as the service progressed, and they were getting ready to move to the font, uh, a thunderstorm rolled into town. And right as they were praying over the water, lightning struck outside the church, huge thunderclap. And the woman said, the devil can't get me anymore. And she got baptized. And I raised my hand, and I said, I remember nothing. I was 19 days old. I remember nothing. We can only ever begin again, Karl Barth says. We can only ever begin again. Christians, those who follow Jesus, we are ever in a state of starting over. We have this liturgical calendar that folds in on itself every year. We return to the same scriptures and the same prayers and the same songs, not out of a tireless commitment to the old, but because those things make us new. We can only ever begin Again, today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. It's when churches all across the world read the same scripture I just read about Jesus being baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan. It's a bit odd, I think, if you could take a step back from the story, to think about the fact that John baptizes Jesus. John shows up in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism for repentance. He looks at God's people who have completely lost their way, and he says, it's time for you to come back. It's time to get your act together, start to behave. Like all the prophets before him, John speaks with clarity and power and conviction about repentance. Now, repentance is such a churchy word. Do you hear that word anywhere else except a place like this? Repentance. We throw it around, and I don't think we we know what we mean when we say it sometimes. Repentance, it comes from the word metanoia, and all it means is turning back. It means turning back. It's not about feeling bad about what we've done. It's not about thinking differently than we once did. It's just returning. It's just returning. The church, in our unending concern with encouraging people to think for yourselves and make all the right choices, we often confuse the kingdom for the benefits of the kingdom. We talk about turning our lives around and finding our real purpose. We talk about repentance so that we can finally get our acts together and make the world a better place, all this sort of stuff. And that's all fine. They're all good and true, but they're not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus comes to do for us what we can't. Repentance is just the two-for-one deal. It's what gets thrown in at the end for fun. The gospel is what Jesus does. Repentance is just our response to when we encounter what Jesus has done for us. See, John, in the wilderness, he's not offering a better way to live your life. The kingdom doesn't come about because we start to behave ourselves. The kingdom of God is already present in Jesus. That's why we repent. It's why we we turn, because we always wander off. Whether we're like Simba, or the prodigal, or like Hamlet, we're always in a state of wandering off, but then in the waters of baptism, we return to the truth about who we really are. We are sinners in the hands of a loving God. Wandering is really at the heart of what it means to be human. There's this gnawing lack of something inside of us. It's why we always flock to self-help the self-help section in a bookstore, I, I think is we always want to discover ourselves. We want to be better. As I've said before, I, I find 
self-help section is very ironic because if they worked, then we wouldn't have self-help sections in the bookstore anymore. But we hear this all the time. Find yourself. Find yourself. It's the slogan for clothing companies and vacation destinations, even retirement portfolios. Find yourself. If you want to find yourself, you don't need to climb a mountain. You don't need to sign up with a spiritual guru or enroll in a CrossFit class. If you want to find yourself, all you have to do is get a little bit of water. That's it. You look in that water and you will see who you are. It used to be the case that when a child was brought forward for baptism, they did not yet have a name. They would be Baby Mertens, Baby Dickinson, uh, Baby Moyer, that, that sort of thing. But when they came to the font, uh, someone like me would say, what name is given this child? And then for the very first time, the parents would say, this is Mark Moyer. This is Stephanie. This is Taylor. It's in baptism that we used to get our name. It's why in some countries, a first name isn't called a first name, it's called a Christian name. It's because it's given to you. In baptism, all of our names are gifts. They're given to us. We don't get to choose our names. Uh, it's something we have to learn to live into. I often joke, my, my, name, my full name is Taylor Christian Mertens. It's not a whole lot you can do with a vocation when your middle name is Christian. I wonder if my parents were up to something when they came up with that. It's a name. You know, it's a gift. You have to learn how to live into your name. So whenever I baptize someone, whether it's a shiny new baby or someone with gray hair and a lot of wrinkles, I always say the same thing. I take the water and I say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. You are a precious lamb of Jesus Christ. I say the same thing every time. And I say it not because I was taught to say it. It doesn't say you're supposed to say that in the book of worship. I say it because that last part, you're a precious lamb of Jesus Christ, because that's what my grandmother has called me my whole life. You are a precious lamb of Jesus Christ. I'm still trying to grow into that. I'm still trying to live into that part of my name. It takes time for all of us to live into our names, that Christian one in particular. It's something we return to every so often because often we forget who we are. It's very easy to forget who we are. The world tells us to, to figure it out on our own, that we should create our own identities, all that sort of stuff, and that's fine. It's important to discover ourselves, but I think even more importantly is for us to realize that God has discovered us that God is the one who comes to us first. That God is the one who finds us. Our lives are an adventure of being lost and being found over and over and over again. Martin Luther, the great uh, reformer of the church, uh, he, he would write in these diaries about his dark nights of the soul. He was prone to fits of depression and anxiety. And he said that whenever he would wake up in the middle of the night feeling like the devil was torturing him, he would always go find a little bit of water. And he would place it on his forehead and he would look in a mirror and he would say Martin remember you are baptized remember to whom you belong why did that work I think because in baptism we are reminded that we belong to God and nothing can ever take that away no matter what we do or we leave undone no matter what we say or we leave unspoken we belong to God and that cannot be taken away or as Paul puts it, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. We return to that promise because sometimes we forget. In the end, being a Christian is something that's done to us and for us before it's something that we do. In other words, faith, like baptism, it requires other people. Someone has to hold us. Someone has to pray over the water. Someone has to tell us about Jesus, the promise of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do. Someone has to model the faith for us so that we can see what it looks like. Otherwise, we have no idea what we're getting into when we're baptized. To know who Jesus is and what he's up to, it has to come to us through other people like a gift. Before the church was ever called church, it was called ecclesia. It just means a gathering. The church is only the church when people are present with and for each other. People who hold fast to one another as we hold fast to the promise of the gospel. And then, the church gives us this day every year. It's always the second Sunday of the year. Baptism of the Lord's Sunday. As if to say, you had your fun at Christmas, you had your fun at New Year's, and now it's time to remember who you are. I don't remember my baptism. For me, there was no peer pressure, there was no fear, there was no thunderstorm, at least as far as I know, there was no thunderstorm. I had no choice in the matter, but the choice that was made on my behalf is the difference that has made all the difference in the world, and that's true for all of us. Whether we're babies when we're baptized or we made the choice later in our lives, from the moment of our baptisms, it becomes impossible to explain our lives without reference to that water, to the promise, to the story, to the others who made it possible. Baptism is where the adventure called faith, it's where it begins. And it changes everything. So in the United Methodist Church, we do not re-baptize people. Because we believe that what God gets right, God gets right. Now, we might wander away from that baptism. We might feel like we need to be rebaptized, but once marked by the water, it can never be taken away. No matter how bad or good we are, it cannot be taken away. So instead of rebaptizing, we have a liturgical moment called baptismal remembrance. It's something we do. We did this on this Sunday a year ago today. I love to do this on Baptism of the Lord Sunday. It's to pray over the water and to invite everyone who's baptized to come forward. I take a little bit of the water, like old Martin Luther did, make the sign of the cross on everyone's forehead and say, remember your baptisms and be thankful. Now, there's a great irony because some of us, perhaps most of us here, don't remember our baptisms. I don't at all. And yet my life is what it is because I'm baptized. And so when I say remember your baptism, that doesn't literally mean remember your actual moment. If you can, that's great. It's also saying remember how your life has been changed because of these waters. You all are here this morning with people that you never would have encountered were it not for the fact that God met you in the water. Whatever the faith is, it is at least the discovery of friends we did not know we had. Friends that God puts us together with because of these waters. So please pray with me. Lord, it is through water that you make yourself known to us in baptism. And yet this is something that started in the beginning. For you swept across the waters and brought forth order out of chaos. You delivered your people through the water to the promised land. And in the fullness of time, your son was baptized by his cousin John through water. 
so too we are incorporated into your mighty acts of salvation through water. And so, Lord, I pray over this water. I pray you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon it and those who receive it, that we might remember who we are and, more importantly, whose we are. Use this water to mark us with a sign of your Spirit, that indelible mark that we belong to you and that it can never, ever, 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 ever be taken away. Help us, O Lord, to remember that we belong to you. And all God's people say, Amen.